going to let uh, Des Fitzgerald, who's Vice President of Research here at UCD, uh, kick off and say a few words of welcome. Okay, I hope you can hear me. I'll try. I'm not wired. That's okay. Um, I have to uh, go to a, a Trill Board meeting in a minute, but I just wanted to uh, welcome you all to, to UCD and to this um, very important day for us. It's been a while in preparation, a huge amount of work has been done to uh, kick off uh, SHARE and, and to share some of the results uh, with you today. Um, this year uh, we celebrate uh, the 10th anniversary of the Programme for Research in Third Level Institutions. And uh, that's funded many programs here in UCD. Probably one of our most successful uh, has been what was originally called the Institute for the Study of Social Change uh, and is now called uh, the Geary Institute, uh, which is renamed after, um, named after uh, Roy Geary. Um, Colm, from the very start, had said that one of the areas that we needed to focus on uh, was, uh, was ageing. Uh, our, our population is getting older, as you know. Uh, for a good reason, and that is that people are living longer. Um, but this raises a lot of different issues for, uh, for Ireland. Uh, how will we ensure that people live older in a comfortable way? What will be the economic uh, impact of that? Uh, importantly, what will the healthcare of the future look like, given the increase in number of, of older people? How can we ensure that people uh, live uh, healthily as they get older? Uh, so there are a lot of issues, and, and many countries uh, have put in place longitudinal studies in order to be able to inform policymakers, uh, healthcare workers, and industry um, how uh, what sort of services are going to be required. So SHARE is a very good example of that, and it complements other programs in Ireland, the, um, the Irish Longitudinal Study for Ageing, which is uh, headed up by uh, Roseanne Kenny in, in, in Trinity College Dublin, uh, and Technology Research for Independent Living, which is a program uh, that's a collaboration between ourselves, Trinity, Galway, and, and Intel. Um, what SHARE will provide is a, a, is a snapshot of people over the age of 50 uh, right now. But very importantly, by following these patients over, or these individuals over a period of time, it would allow us to uh, find out what happens to people as they get older. Uh, in our, our current uh, society and allow us to ask important questions, to test hypotheses about what can be done in order to um, uh, improve their living. Um, the, the SHARE program is at the heart of, of the ageing program here at, at, at UCD. Our target is to ensure uh, that people uh, ha live healthily as they get older. That is, that is the target of our program. Uh, and there are various aspects of that which bring in economists, social scientists, engineers, healthcare workers, a variety of different people who are contributing to this. Uh, one of the programs is the Technology for Research and Independent Living. And what that does is it designs technologies that can be used to assist people living at home. And we're broadening that out now, involving the, the share population and people in the Geary, uh, to start asking uh, other questions on uh, for example, social networking as people get older, uh, or what interventions can we uh, bring to bear, uh, pervasive computing in the home in order to uh, assist people. So uh, lots of different uh, programs, and much of it involves collaboration throughout Europe, as you'll hear about SHARE, but also with Irish institutions, and importantly, I think, with, with uh, healthcare uh, workers, with policy, healthcare policy people, and also with, with industry like Intel and, and Hewlett Packard. So I think it's a very exciting program. I want to congratulate uh, 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 Colm and Liam and the other people in the, uh, in the Geary Institute and our partners uh, in Galway. Um, I think it's, uh, what you're going to hear today is interesting. It's absolutely fascinating, I think, uh, to hear what people believe about their health as they get older. Uh, they do believe that they're not very well and they're very concerned about it. So I think it's an interesting uh, program. And I hope you have uh, a good day discussing uh, the results of, of SHARE. Thanks, You made the first SHARE, SHARE, quip, not the last. Um, thanks again. Okay, so just to come back to, to the, the structure today, I'm, I'm Colin Harmon, I'm director of the UCD Geary Institute and professor of economics here. And uh, I'm going to be just talking a little bit about what SHARE is about 
and in particular looking at the European uh, context, what, what drives the, the venture that SHARE is. And SHARE is a very significant one. It's the single biggest social science scientific uh, program uh, on the planet. Um, and it's, uh, it's really a, a thrill to be involved in it. There's a thrill reference as well. Gosh, it's ripped off. Um, I'm going to hand over to uh, Brenda Gannon, from, who's the Deputy Director of the Irish Centre for Social Gerontology at NUI Galway. Uh, and then my colleague, Liam Delaney, uh, from the School of Economics and the School of Public Health and Population Science here at UCD, will, will wrap up and tell us kind of some of the more exciting things that research in this field can do, including ways of using SHARE. Um, and and we'll, uh, we'll have a chat about that. Unfortunately, you're, you are in the hands of three economists, but we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll survive. So Des just uh, given that quick overview. So let me, uh, uh, let me continue on. So, so SHARE, as, as, uh, as we chatted about, is, is led by essentially a country team. Uh, my colleagues, Liam, Brenda, uh, Cecily, uh, Jean, Eamon O'Shea, and Laura. But also, as I said, SHARE is a pretty massive uh, venture of itself. Our involvement in SHARE has been funded by the Irish Research Council for Humanities and Social Sciences, uh, which, for which we're very grateful. And uh, we're also very grateful to the support of the research team at, at Geary, ESRI, who conducted the fieldwork, uh, and NUIG. Um, but in particular, I think SHARE owes its uh, kind of creation uh, to the team at Mannheim, led by Axel uh, Borch-Supin. And as I said, while we're the country team responsible for going out and getting the Irish data in, um, SHARE is a very significant scientific effort coordinated by Axel out of Mannheim. Uh, and uh, you'll see the, kind of the fruits of that uh, in various ways uh, through this talk. Numerous colleagues uh, in Ireland and elsewhere, many discussions, and one of the most exciting, it's a pleasure to see her here today, Roseanne Kenny, as, as Des mentioned, and the TILDA team, um, which we share a lot of, a lot of common uh, interests and indeed common platforms within the studies, uh, and they'll move forward together very beautifully, I think. So SHARE, uh, as said, is, at one level, is about getting the picture on health, uh, economic, family, and social environment across Europe. Um, and examining the interactions between those various entities. Um, examining the variation in policy, in history, and in the culture of those countries across Europe. So it's the largest kind of controlled socioeconomic research project in the EU, one of the largest, I suspect, uh, in the world, involving more than 200 researchers, uh, interviewed now more than 30,000 individuals aged 50 plus, uh, and funded in a very interesting way from the EU uh, through the fifth and, uh, sixth and seventh framework program, uh, through US involvement through the National Institute of Aging, who see the, the value for the US population, if you like, from uh, examining what's going on here, and from national bodies, and in Ireland's case, the IRCHSS. Um, what's, I think, a very important aspect of the way in which SHARE has evolved is that it also links together in a very clear way um, the kind of the, the, the big kind of the granddaddy in many ways of, of, of aging studies, the HRS in the US. And while the UK isn't shaded on a little map here, that's because the UK runs something called the English Longitudinal Study of Aging, um, which which is a, a kind of a springboards of the Health Survey of England and Wales and has evolved. But for example, there's now a, a, a paired data set between SHARE and ELSA. So effectively bringing the British data uh, into the, the SHARE uh, family. Also, SHARE as a platform uh, and the questionnaire and the key elements of the questionnaire are now rolling out in many other countries, uh, most excitingly countries like China, India and Korea. So we are moving towards a global study of ageing that, that encompasses existing and indeed forthcoming studies in this field. Um, and, and provides that, that complete set of, of interactions. And for SHARE, it's very much that comparability that provides a lot of the action that we as, as scientists are interested in analyzing, um, as well as providing really important local uh, or, and national data. So SHARE, uh, the SHARE website, the SHARE corporate website is the pro SHARE project.org. 
And the UCD uh, Geary Institute website is where we hang the, the Irish share uh, website. So let me just dip out to that for just one second. So the share website looks like this, uh, introducing what's going on uh, with, with, with click here for results from the data. And we also have, um, uh, it's pretty clear how you find your way to the Irish data as well as uh, the European data more broadly. Within the website, we also look at trying to kind of collate interesting material on the socioeconomic analysis of aging. So for example, uh, under secondary data, we link to things like the Northern Irish Household Panel Survey and other studies in this, uh, cognate studies in the field. We'll be maintaining a, as a, a kind of essentially a, 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 a section of the site, which is kind of what we're reading. Uh, we, we have this strategy generally, which, which in many ways Liam, <laughs> Liam led across all the projects that we, in this health and behavioral space, of kind of keeping log of or keeping track of what we're looking at, so that, in a sense, people can have a sense of where we're coming from, from various different ways. And this will be logged on the website under different headings, like aging and expectations, disability, aging and health, aging and physical performance. Um, and also where share is going, share life, which Liam will talk about a little bit later, is, in a sense, the next, the next evolution of the share project, where we, in a sense, as, as Des pointed out, it shares a longitudinal study, so we will repeat interviewing this population and share life is the data set or is the, the data instrument that we'll be using for that. So the share website, I hope, will become uh, quite an important resource and, uh, again, linked into the national infrastructure on ageing research generally. Um, I'm just going to talk very briefly about some of the key findings from share in a couple of domains to date, the European project. Uh, and this, in a sense, is mainly to illustrate where Ireland's data will slot in and also illustrates how we'll learn and, or as I call it, inform and be informed by um, the, the, the experiences of our other countries. So, for example, on the share uh, existing sample, we know that, for example, the southern European countries have far, great, far greater, greater longevity, despite a greater prevalence of, of illness. Um, we know things like education is associated with higher levels of fitness, lower levels of cognitive impairment, um, and, and SHARE is the first survey that includes comparable information about out-of-pocket payments for healthcare expenditures, uh, as well as health service utilisation uh, and quality of healthcare uh, for older persons. I think the key point about this slide is, is, is things like education is associated with. The next phase of both SHARE's development as a study and our involvement in it will be sort of unpicking some of the causal aspects uh, of these relationships that we want to kind of see why is it that this is true and which way does the relationship flow. So, for example, um, so health is, is, is generally good. 61% of men in, in the European sample, 53%, uh, or 30% of those over 80 reporting no long-term health problems or illness. And, and the health measurements in share support this. Uh, things like cognitive function, uh, or walking speed or grip tests that are deployed. So this just illustrates the, uh, the grip strength sample by age uh, for the, 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 the continent as a whole and then broken by southern and northern. Or similarly for the meters per second that the sample are able to, to run. So there are a set of in a sense, routine and pretty, uh, uh, health measures taken in the share in interview. But as I said, so we get these differences as a good example of, of what we observe in the data. But we don't really know why they're, they're happening. Uh, we, we have lots of probable causes, income, education, healthcare systems, uh, lifestyles, or indeed a very, very important and a very important aspect of the share project at a kind of scientific level is cultural differences in reporting of illnesses. Is it that, in part... Um, the same question, and it is the same question, the survey is, is, is harmonised across all, all countries, an awful lot of effort goes into translating, uh, I can assure you. Is, does the same question about how you're feeling, uh, self-reported issues of health, how you feel the healthcare system is supporting you, are they interpreted differently uh, in different countries? To kind of illustrate this point, uh, take something like health status indicators. So, in the raw data, this isn't too easy to see, um, but essentially we have here healthcare expenditures as a percentage of GDP, 
and we have the percentage of people reporting themselves is very healthy. This is a country-specific kind of reports. And, you know, it's pretty scattered. This is just the main point. You know, the Spanish seem to have low levels of GDP and pretty low levels of self-reporting are very healthy. The Swiss seem to have high levels of GDP expenditure and pretty high levels. But there's lots of things happening off that relationship. Um, whereas in, in SHARE, a lot of the methodological work surrounds this issue of how people are interpreting those self-reported questions. Um, and without going into the, the techniques of it, essentially thinking about the, that people's expectations of, of, uh, of healthcare may be conditioned by the environment in which they're in. And when these kind of corrections are adopted within the SHARE study, you get much more clustering along that standard vertical line, that people who are in countries with higher levels of healthcare expenditure uh, are um, reporting to us as very healthy. So in a sense, one of the points, one of the, uh, one of the major factors behind uh, the share effort, if you like at a scientific level, is to deal with these issues of comparability between countries. Um, and, and you can sort of see the issue now. If we ask the Irish population in this sample how they feel about their healthcare right at this minute, they may have a very different perspective because of current events. And that's where the report becomes conditioned by people's expectations of what's going on. The share effort, if you like, deals with that head on and deals with it a way to provide comparability or true comparability between the data sets. I should have said at the start, if people have major questions they want to ask, please feel free. We are going to have a, a, a Q&A session at the end. Moving on very quickly, in terms of the issues of economic situation and employment, more our home turf, if you like. So poverty is very often alleviated by non-financial resources in the sample. So the value of assets, such as housing, is important. The share is one of the first samples in studies of this type generally to make a real effort at valuing the way in which assets are held by individuals, not just in the context of, of, of a study of over 50s, uh, but in the context of a broader um, sample of um, or economic research generally. And family networks play a vital role, which you'll see very clearly in the Irish data as we, as we work through it, which means that inequality around consumption, if you like, is, is lower than inequality based around financial measurements. We also see things like cross-country differences really draw this out, that where you have incentives to uh, retire early, you certainly do seem to have early retirement. Um, the French data, which we'll see in just a second, we had to check and double-check just last week, um, where it turns out France has a mandatory retirement age of 60, and it works. Um, unfortunately, it's meant to alleviate youth unemployment, and on that aspect, it didn't work. Um, and, uh, and, and the, the, the share data gets into issues of, of how um, people's current employment, for the younger uh, uh, tail of the distribution, the, the 50 to 65-year-olds, to what extent do workplace conditions and current employment situations support their transition both into retirement or into later retirement where appropriate. Um, but we also deal with, with issues of kind of non-market time, uh, with volunteering. Volunteering is very frequent. And again, you'll see some really interesting pictures in the Irish data on this point. So again, to give an illustration of the sort of comparability point, uh, with the share sample, we can get the spread of countries from Sweden to, to Greece across. Uh, this is the first wave of the share sample, which we're now a part of. We can very easily eyeball kind of what it, the issues for people aged 60 to 64. So for example, we see, uh, as I pointed out, the issue of uh, participation by men in France in that age group is almost zero now, which uh, remains different. So, with the, with, the, with the share sample, we can very easily tell, you know, at a glance, what's going on within an age category. We can very easily tell within a country like Sweden the male-female differences, and we can very easily tell differences between two countries like Sweden and France. Equally, we can address how policy environments differ between countries. Um, and of course, this can be done across all spectrums of the share sample. So here we have economic activity of both healthy respondents or the more broadly defined category of functioning respondents. Um, and if you just look at the uh, Swiss and Austrian data, you can see very different patterns of participation uh, among the, that grouping. Um, much higher levels of retirement 
uh, in Austria than in Switzerland, much higher levels of, of working in the over 50 sample in Switzerland than in Austria. So what's going on between those two countries in terms of the infrastructure, the, the core policy environment, is the sort of thing that we need as, as economists in our case to unpick the causal factors. It's those ripples that happen across the spreader countries that give us the precision to say X is causing Y and allows us to move from saying education is associated with to saying education causes. And that's, the, in a sense, a substantial body of work uh, that needs to be done. Just very briefly on family networks, the family unit has remained strong across generations. Um, uh, and issues of giving I found particularly interesting. I'm not, I won't dwell on this because the Irish data, I think, is a very interesting uh, slide coming up about the way in which... Uh, um, this group do tend to give to their children, even when their children themselves would be uh, uh, heading towards being participants in this sample, not just uh, uh, um, uh, passive players. Um, so, you know, in terms of issues like social and family networks, um, we get uh, a slide such as this, which gives us um, the kind of the ways in which, so for, for example, in countries like Greece, you get lots of people living in the same household, Spain, Greece, etc. In Nordic countries, uh, not living in the same household, but generally, uh, children live nearby. Uh, it's still a pretty small group that live uh, greater than 100 kilometers away uh, uh, from their household, from their parents. So I'm going to hand over to Brenda to talk us through the, uh, the key findings from the Irish sample and, and Lee. Uh, and then uh, I'll leave you with Brenda's capable hands. Okay, thanks very much. Um, I'm going to present uh, some interesting results on the Irish sample and specifically focusing on health, finance, and we've also done some initial preliminary work on health inequalities. So this, these results, as have, have already been pointed out, these are of interest to policymakers, to um, interdisciplinary research of all, from every discipline should find something interesting um, in these results. So the sample of the, the, um, the share data, first of all, to show you the, the age distribution, and this correlates well with the age distribution as would be seen um, by the general population. And what you might notice there is that there are a small number of uh, participants in the, in the sample who are under 50, and that is because they are spouses of the actual participants in the survey, so they are also included into the sample. Just to note also on demographics, 10% uh, of the, the sample say that they were born abroad and half of those now have Irish citizenship. And of those who um, were married, 22% uh, of women are now widowed and 8% of men are widowed. And also in terms of education level in, in the sample, up to 80% are educated to leaving a certain level only. So in terms of health, uh, in the, the health module, Participants were asked uh, to rate their health and how they thought their health was on a category of five categories going from excellent down to poor. So this uh, graph here would show you um, how people rated their health. And what you see is that about 60% of those aged in the 59, uh, 50 to 59 age group rated their health as excellent or very good. And then of this uh, declines over the different age groups. And then as we get to see the over 80 plus age group, 30% of those... Um, rated their health as excellent or very good. The next question, thanks. The next question on, um, on health asked individuals if they had any chronic illness. And this again was self-reported data. So what we will do is we look at these uh, figures here that are um, shown from the analysis, bearing in mind that it's self-reported data, but yet we feel that in some cases, it does correlate well with, with actual uh, prevalence levels, and in some cases, otherwise, it may be an underestimation. But it does um, show you that the main chronic illnesses for people age 50 plus seem to be in hypertension, uh, cholesterol, and arthritis. And then, um, looking at osteoporosis, there are more women than men with that, and also the proportion uh, suffering from a heart attack is higher for men than for females. So overall, a third of the sample said that they had a long-term illness. And then this increases if we look at the older age groups for the 80 plus. About 40% said that they had a chronic illness. 
And then if we look if specifically at the group of women aged 70 to 59, this proportion rate uh, increases up to 50%. Grip strength then is um, known as an important uh, predictor of frailty. And how this was done in the survey was that individuals were giving a, um, an experiment to use a dynamometer and uh, to dynamometer, sorry, and uh, to to use this, and this would test their grip strength. They were given four tests of this, and then the maximum of, of these four different levels were used as the, the overall grip strength. So what you can see here is that. Well, as, um, a, as we go down the, the age categories, we see that the, the grip strength does decrease over t um, the age groups there. Another interesting point on health is that it's not only important to look at um, current health problems, it's also important to look at health over the individual's lifetime and to look at um, uh, previous health problems or previous health behaviours and to show how health beha how behaviours may impact on not only on, on current health but also on how previous behaviour may also impact on current health. So in the survey um, individuals were asked about smoking, um, alcohol, drinking alcohol regularly and also about um, partaking in sporting activities and moderate exercise and also um, strenuous exercise. So this, uh, here, this graph here on smoking uh, highlights some interesting um, behaviours in terms of smoking. You see that around 20% uh, overall say that they are current smokers, and then 40% said that they had been previous smokers. So those figures are interesting, um, and, and that data may be very interesting in, in looking at determinants of um, current health problems. And again, this, this is initial starting point of data, when there, are, when there is further data collected then we'll be able to track the individuals over time to see how their current behaviour may impact on, on future health uh, issues. Functional limitations then, individuals were asked a range of different functional limitations, I won't go through all of them there, you have them in the report, but what something um, to highlight is that around 30% of individuals said that they had uh, difficulty climbing several flights of stairs. So as I said, there are a range of, of different uh, functional limitations there. And the people were asked, how um, had they functional limitations over the last three months? So it's not just actually on the day that they were actually surveyed. The need for care then. Um, individuals were, were asked about activities in daily living, uh, for example, dressing or eating, and if they needed help with these um, activities. They were also asked about instrumental activities in daily living in terms of uh, having help with their meals, having help with shopping. And they were asked, so they were first of all asked, do they have help with that? And then secondly, they were asked, did they feel that this help met their needs? <coughs> so from that, we were able to sh show that around um, a third of people aged 70 to 79 felt that the help that they had was unmet, so a third had unmet needs. And this increases to 50%, um, half of the, the people aged 80 plus felt that their, um, their, the help in, for the activities in daily living and the um, other activities such as meals and shopping that it was unmet need. So it's not only important to look at um, physical health problems, it's also important to look at mental health as um, to, to look at having an overall value for a person's well-being. So there are a few different questions in the survey on this, and focusing on, in on one in particular, people were asked if they had um, felt sad or depressed in the last month. So overall, um, people, 20 to 25% of people said that they had felt sad or depressed overall in the last month. And this figure rises to 40% of women aged 80 plus. And then moving on to uh, healthcare utilisation. <clears throat> the SHARE survey has important information about healthcare utilisation in terms of hospital inpatient stays, GP visiting, outpatient uh, visits, um, among other categories, also including home help, meals on wheels, and a few others there. So, what um, this information is quite useful because it may be used as a, a basis for future projections in looking at maybe the demand for, for long-term care going forward. 
demand for any, any type of um, healthcare utilisation. So we focus in specifically here on one of these um, uh, healthcare utilisations, hospital stays. So a person was asked if they had at least one overnight stay during the last 12 months. So what you can see here is that um, looking at the age group 70 to 79, 20% had at least one night stay, and this increases to about 30% for the, the 80 plus age group um, for the women and around over 20% for the, the um, uh, men in the sample. The next important, um, in terms of, of health finance, the next important graph here is, to, is who, where does the financial burden um, of healthcare fall? Who pays for the healthcare? So uh, these questions were asked to um, respondents on a range of different uh, items here. For example, nursing care at home, uh, hospitalizations in private or public hospitals, dental care, right down to uh, GP visiting. So what we could, could um, take from this is that if you look at the GP visits there, around 50% were paid for by the patient themselves, and if you look at nursing home care, about 30% were paid for by the patient. Overall, if we look at it, all of them in aggregate, around half of the, of the um, payments for healthcare were paid by the person themselves, and half were, were paid by um, social or private insurances. And then to, to change, move on to um, financing our employment status of um, individuals age 50 plus. In this graph here, um, this, is, uh, this is actually reinforcing some of the, the points that were made earlier. If we look here at the age, um, for example, the age 60 to 64 age, age group and look at men there, the proportion of, of men um, are retired is 40%, 40% in work and then um, under 20% uh, other. That's slightly different for the, the female distribution. Um, most likely the other category are, are a range of the include women who are um, homemakers. So what this data is useful for, it's, it's very interesting to look at what are the determinants of, of early retirement. And this is where all of the data brought together can be quite useful in looking at the financial Im impacts, the, the, uh, the financial det determinants, the health determinants, and how we can look at, at all of these determinants in health, or in retirement, early retirement. So some, as this data has been collected in other countries, we can look to other countries to see what they have done um, in their analysis here. And, and work on that has, has already begun, um, where this is a, one of the, our main uh, focus, um, focuses in the labour economics section here. So if we want to look then at the main reasons for retirement, why did those people who retired earlier, why did they retire? Most of them say it's because of their own ill health or due to the, the ill health of a, a relative or, or somebody close to them. So overall, the main reason, one of the main reasons is that it's, it's due to a, a family reason or a, a health reason. In financial assets then, again, we want to look at the, um, the, the finances of, of people age 50 plus. And people were asked, did they have uh, these assets from, from ranging from a bank account down to life insurance? And what we see here is that up to about 80% of all, all of the, the age groups nearly say that they have a bank account. And, but the numbers then having life insurance seems to decrease as we, as we go down the age groups. And that data was taken from a section that asked people on assets, um, asked them about their current assets in terms of what assets do they consume, what interest had been accrued to them, what dividends. So there's a range of, of further information that's available to us there. Then in terms of um, social support and in, ter in terms of people helping each other at older age, it's interesting to see in the data here that um, a large proportion uh, have given help and then you hard to see that graph there actually, but there are lower proportions who have, um, a, a large proportion has given help and there are lower proportions who have actually received help. And this is true for all of the age groups except when we get to the age group 80 plus, the trend is, is reversed completely. Again, you can't see it, there's quite a large uh, column there 
or going up to 40% for the 80 plus age group, that then they have to receive the help. So it's interesting to see that there is a good lot of social support among the older age groups, except when we get, well, even when we get to the 80 plus group, there's about 50% still offering out help, but then they become more dependent. Again, in terms of social support and in terms of financial transfers, individuals were asked a question on um, if they had received a, a gift or a transfer of um, 250. And what you see here is that, again, it's interesting to note that the, even in the older age groups, people are, are giving out, um, and this was something that was highlighted earlier on as well, people are still giving out transfers and um, this is true that people seem to give out more money than they actually receive through all of the, the age groups there. So again, that, that's quite interesting in terms of intergenerational research, and this data can be used for, for that um, interesting aspect as well. Then individuals were asked, do they find that it's difficult to make ends meet? And what we know from this data is that if we look at, compare the columns here, that with great difficulty, a higher proportion of females um, find it difficult to make ends meet compared to the proportion of males. In terms, again, we're moving here between um, social networks and, and financial support, so they're all sort of correlated together when we want to look at them overall. But looking individually, people are asked, uh, have they children, and where, where do they, the children live in, in uh, proximity to them? And what you'll see here is that I think overall around 85% um, of the sample said they had children and 70% said that they had um, grandchildren. And then of those who had children, they were asked where, where um, do the children live in, in relation to where they live themselves. And 20% said that they lived in the same household, 10% said they lived nearby, and 15% of them say that they live abroad. And social participation is also um, a very important factor in terms of social inclusion and, and social involvement for older people. And pe the individuals were asked questions on, are they participating in activities such as sport, education, volunteerism, um, religious activities, helping friends or a neighbour? So what you see is that there, there's quite an involvement there of the age group 50 plus overall in social activities. For the group aged uh, 50 to 59, there's a much higher proportion involved in the social um, activities or the sporting activities, but then obviously this decreases with time, but then for the older age groups, their, their social activities are geared towards uh, religious activities. And again, these, these are very interesting um, points to note when we're looking at overall well-being of individuals um, and in terms of their overall social inclusion. Individuals were asked, did they feel that they were hampered in their daily activities by their age? And um, in general, as what we can see here is that as we go up through the age groups, people who answer never, the proportion is quite low by the time we get to the 80 plus age group. And it's around 40% there for the, the age group 50 to 59. <clears throat> Going back to the, the social participation and um, involvement in daily activities, this relates, what we did here was related this to um, asking people do they look forward to the next day or do they look forward to, to their life? And what we did here was compare those who have some activity and those who have um, no activity. And there's a slight difference there, and, and this is we tested this for statistical significance as well. So what you'll see is that overall of those um, with some activity, there's a higher, higher, a slightly higher proportion saying that they look forward <coughs> to their, their life. And then, as I mentioned, the third aspect that was looked at here initially was the, um, the socioeconomic status and health inequalities and how, um, how as we, we look at individuals by their education categories, what differences can we see across a, a number of, of health uh, factors? The first one that was looked at was cognitive function, and that was measured by people being asked a recall test of words where they were given 10 words and then asked to, to recall the number of words. And then this, was, uh, this is correlated here, associated with, with educational status, and as you can see that there's, there's a, a gradient there. As individuals say they have 
higher level of education, the cognitive function has it increases there slightly. Now, it's important to note that and any of these, um, these are associations here. It's not actually the causal impact, but this is an initial preliminary analysis, and we can't specifically say which causes which, but this is something that can be done using the data going forward. And similarly with numeracy, we see the same uh, gradient, and numeracy was, um, was measured by questions to individuals on, on simple maths questions. Um, and then life satisfaction, people were asked how satisfied they are with their life, and again you can see the, the gradient there. So what this shows is, is that there are some health inequalities, some initial health inequalities apparent here according to socioeconomic status, which is measured here by education. And then finally, the, the health variable, um, this is what I had shown earlier on, how people had responded to the health variable, and this again uh, varies by, by age category. So that finishes off the results now, and Liam is going to talk about future directions. Okay, thank, thank you very much, Brenda. Um, so I'm only going to give a snapshot of, of the things that we want to do uh, with this study, and there's going to be many others outside of us working with it. Um, I suppose quickly, what have we shown? I mean, even with the initial data, we know that there's two major uh, realities that will face every country in the next uh, 40 to 50 years, and, and we summarize them around issues of finance and health, and we've already provided detailed information, even with the initial data, on profiles of chronic illness and functional limitations in Ireland. We've provided new information on patterns of social and family interactions, um, information on profiles of mental well-being, and non-market activity. And people like Brenda have already been working on using the data to examine the determinants of uh, retiring between the ages of 64 and how, sorry, between the ages of 60 and 64, and how health and financial factors uh, interact to influence those types of decisions. Um, and there's, uh, as we speak, there is. Uh, researchers in Trinity and Galway already uh, working through this data uh, to examine a whole range of questions around health, finance. So in some sense I'd say in the, in the brief time that we've had the data, which is essentially six months, I think we've already put together, thanks to the column and, and others, a, a pr pretty exciting team of researchers across the country that are using this data, sharing it, testing hypotheses and uh, developing implications for, for policy. And this is a snapshot, I mean this is essentially one person's opinion of the type of things that we can use uh, this data for. I mean, it's clear that, that one thing that, that we all want to do is to begin to disentangle socioeconomic uh, status from early conditions, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Many of these people grew up, most of these people grew up in the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s, and we, we rarely talk about this. We talk a lot about current health services, but we don't talk about the fact that many of these people were growing up in a, in a land where infant mortality was was 1 in 12, uh, so, so we need to think about these early conditions as well as the current service. We need to, to really think about all of the historical events that this generation lived through. Um, I mean, just as a, as, a, as, a, as a brief sample of these wars, marriage bars, most of them were born before uh, the raising of the school leaving age, so many of them weren't affected by that. So um, all sorts of uh, public health interventions, various different economic policies, and we have to get that into the data somehow because these, these have as, as, as big effects as, as current uh, conditions, or may have as big effect as current conditions, and we need to examine, as I said, the, the, the disentangle socioeconomic status from early conditions and, and the effect of current services, because they're all in some way bound up in each other, uh, and we need to, 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 to use this data and combine it with other data to uh, and theory and, and, and t continuous testing to think about what the um, causal factors are. Um, we're going to continue to try to understand the interplay of uh, market and, and non-market conditions. So one advantage of SHARE, or one advantage of, of these aging studies in general, is you've detailed information on, on financial health, but also um, a lot of information on how people's family structure, their social environment, their community environment, their participation in social activities, uh, influence uh, their, their health and well-being throughout their, life, throughout their lifetime. So we can look at private factors, government factors, as well as social and voluntary factors, and, and the data permits a lot of testing that's already continuing with this data. And as Colm said, the real value of this is that it's now being merged with, the, with data sets throughout the world, and we begin, can begin to look at how policy environments in, uh, in, in, in Ireland and in other countries determine these key outcomes. 
uh, and Colin gave the example of, of, of retirement decisions, which is one of the clearest, and already from Share there's been several papers written examining how people's retirement decisions are a function of the, the policy factors at play in, in, in their countries, and Share permits us to do this, so we'll be able to examine, uh, simulate if you want, what would happen if Ireland adopted pension systems or uh, legislation that, that, that takes place in other countries. As I said, Brenda and, and others are already well into to, to providing good answers on those questions. <clears throat> a future direction for the study is that many of the people we want to interview, uh, they were born in Ireland but they didn't stay in Ireland. And this is a point that's not raised often enough, that many of our sample, our, our population, if you will, are not living in Ireland, they're living in the UK in particular, um, and some also in the US. And we really, really need to understand the health and well-being of Irish people who migrated during this cohort. Because as I said, they were born in, in conditions with high infant mortality. Maybe some of the, the ones that were most vulnerable left the country. We know from our preliminary accounts that the health of the Irish in the UK is worse than the health of the Irish in, in, in Ireland. And if we're going to build up a picture of what the effects of these policy conditions were, we need to incorporate data on the Irish in the UK. And this will give us a more comprehensive account of the effects of Irish history and policy. And it's intrinsically interesting. We, we recently changed our constitution to, to recognise the Irish abroad as, as um, can't, Mary might explain to me the nuances of the wording, but, but certainly to recognise them as, a, as, a, as, as part of, a, a, of our policy landscape. And I think, as well as just for scientific reasons we need them in, but they're important intrinsically from a policy perspective. And we're, we're currently developing a global Irish database, and we've already produced um, a number of... Uh, <clears throat> analyses where we take data from things like the Health Survey of England, from the absolutely magnificent uh, census files that are available from the US and the UK registries, and we've started to pull together what happened to the Irish who left and compare it to the Irish who stayed. And I think for these ageing studies, that's absolutely uh, crucial, particularly for a country like Ireland that has high rates of immigration. And I'm coming towards the end. Another factor that we really need to look at, and I mentioned this before, is that this is a very crude snapshot of the environment that these, uh, uh, our sample grew up in. Uh, so this is this is the infant mortality rate, which, as I said, is nearly uh, one in twelve when you when you when you come to the war period. So the early conditions that the sample grew up in are extremely important, and um, we've, we've been working with with uh, Mary Daly and, and other people who know more about the history of the time period than we would to examine what exactly was going on here, because it's it's here that many of the gains in in health were made, and it's here is the reason why many of us are taller than our parents. Uh, etc. There was things going on here and we don't fully understand it yet, but Share and, and Tilda and other studies linked to this type of work will, will enable us to do that. So again, in the Geary, we've um, completed a number of studies looking at what was happening during this time period and have uh, a set of large databases that are available for, for all the other research teams to use if they want to incorporate early conditions into, into their analysis. I think that will be a very exciting part of the future direction of the work. And just coming towards the end, so the next steps with Share. So we're promoting the active use of this database. And as I said, researchers in Galway, Trinity, and UCD are now actively looking at these questions. Uh, it's now merged with the European data file. So researchers all over the globe are essentially going to be looking at uh, the Irish system, pooling it with other systems. And that's exciting. That means we, we tap into a global knowledge bank of people that can, that can um, look at aspects of pension policy, health policy, etc. And we can't be experts in everything in one country. There's many experts in in these fields throughout the world that are producing really interesting findings, really interesting policy experiments, and Ireland is thankfully part of this now. The second aspect is, this is a longitudinal study, so the, the second round of the, of the European share will be launched in November, and we're, we're actively um, pushing to, to, to participate in this, and the next round for Ireland will be retrospective life histories. So we, we only meet these people when they're 50 plus, whereas many of the things that affect them have happened much earlier. Uh, and the Share Europe team have developed an absolutely magnificent uh, study which examines the, the entire life course of the person using very sophisticated methods of helping them to make episodic uh, retrospective accounts. So that, that would be the next development of Share would be to follow this sample up, both follow them up on the variables we've looked at here, but also to get, get, get into... Uh, <clears throat> what happened prior to us meeting them in the sample. We, we've been discussing uh, with several different groups working in chronic illness and working in, in, in enabling technologies to examine how SHARE can interact with, with these exciting studies. As I've said, we, we're integrating history data into the findings. 
integrating Irish people abroad, and, and those two, to me, would be incredibly important things to do. Uh, and already in the data, we have good samples of people with arthritis. With some of the, smaller, with some of the less frequent conditions, uh, clearly SHARE isn't going to be able to provide anything other than a comparison group. But even for, for conditions such as arthritis, we already have been able to produce um, enough data to, to, to already make some comments on that. So just to finally, finally, um, so just to reprise, I mean, this is a global scientific effort that we're part of. Uh, so we, we're the Irish part of it. We're trying to contribute to it through integrating uh, our, our own ideas into it. But, but ultimately, this is a global effort that uh, is attempting to achieve a successful demographic transition. It provides a baseline comparison sample for many other studies. It's comparative across many countries, so we can look at uh, the effects of policy and culture. It's multidisciplinary, because no, even, even though we're economists, the people who design the, the public health aspects of it, the people that design the sociology aspects of it, come from the different disciplines, so it lends strength, strength like that. And the final thing I'd say is it's fully available. So if you've some burning question or um, something you want to test, this data is, is available uh, just to download. So thank you. Questions? Do you want to sit there or do you want to... Um, I, don't, I don't know whether you're right in terms of burning questions or indeed downloading the data. Um, I don't know whether anybody has anything they really want to get off their chest right now, but now's the time to do it. As I said, we're, we, uh, we're really excited about it. It was great to collect. It's great that it's available. Um, uh, and it, the value of share ultimately will be in lots of people using it. Uh, so uh, please write lots of papers or do lots of studies or produce lots of policies uh, with it and others. So.